0: Well, hey, Hope City, it's great to be with you today, and we are continuing our series that we've been doing all year called Pursuit, in which we've been looking at this word, pursuit, and looking at it throughout the year as how we can pursue Jesus as a church, both together and while we are scattered all over the place, we are in pursuit of Jesus. And the bedrock verse for this series has been Philippians chapter 3, verse 12 through 14. The Apostle Paul writes, Not that I have already obtained all this, or I've already been made perfect, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me, straining toward what is ahead, I press on towards the goal to win the prize for which Christ has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. Right, Paul is encouraging them and he's encouraging us. Keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep focusing on Jesus. Keep following Jesus. Keep honoring Jesus. Right, forget the past, whatever the past looked like years ago, months ago, weeks ago, even yesterday. You've got to sometimes just forget the past and keep moving towards Jesus. And it's because we love Him, because we trust Him, because we're saved by Him, because we need Him right? And our goal as we pursue Jesus is to become more like Jesus, to act like him, to do what Jesus would do, and to emulate him, right? You emulate what you honor, what you value. We see this in pop culture all the time. Think about back in the 90s, right? The whole world was captivated by a man, and we wanted to be like him in the 90s. Think about who that was. Who was it? Who was it? Who was it? It was Michael Jordan, right? You could have said a lot of different names, but Michael Jordan is that name that Almost everybody wanted to be like Mike. I mean, who else had a song? I want to be like Mike, right? And so we put on Nikes, we drank Gatorade, we ate McDonald's, we stuck our tongue out uh, while we shot, all in hopes to be like Michael Jordan. That if I did those things, I'd be able to jump from a free throw line and slam dunk a ball. I'd be able to swish a three-pointer like Mike. I'd be able to do all these things. And that's the thing that we do. We try to emulate or follow or imitate someone Hoping that we will get where they've gotten. We will do what they do. Well, that's what Paul's saying. Go and continue to pursue Jesus. Be like Jesus. Follow in the footsteps of Jesus. And our series of pursuit has been doing that. Looking that Jesus is a man of prayer. So we talked about prayer. Jesus was a man of the word. So we talked about studying scripture. Jesus was a man of worship. So we talked about why worship is important for us. And one of the things that we'll see looking at the life of Jesus is Jesus was sacrificial. He was one that was selfless and giving and generous. He rolled up his sleeves to help those and get his hands dirty. Jesus was the kind of guy that was sacrificial in all kinds of ways. Not only that, he paid the ultimate sacrifice, gave his life on the cross for us, right? Think about it. In Mark chapter 10, verse 45, he's sitting with the disciples, and he sits there and he talks about what it means to be sacrificial, to be selfless, and he's describing the Son of God. He says, for even the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve to give his life as a ransom for many. You see, Jesus came to give his life for us, to be selfless, to sacrifice himself on our behalf. And he didn't come to be served, but to serve. And so if we want to be like Jesus, we've got to be people who are willing to serve, not be served, to give rather than be to to receive. We've got to be people willing to lay our lives down for others, just like he did. And so as we talk about sacrifice, there's a couple of different ways that we can do that. One is giving, right? As we talk about sacrifice, you're going to think about the financial aspects of tithes and offerings and giving and generosity and that. That's one. And the other is serving, that we find ways to help others and volunteer and serve other people, put their needs as a high priority, in fact, higher than your own. I'm going to care about you so much. I'm going to serve you. So I want you to think about as as we talk about this, how you're giving and how you're serving, how you're laying your life down in these variety of ways. And the two weeks that we talk about this, next week we're going to talk about how do we sacrifice quietly. What does a quiet sacrifice look like? Shh. Right. We'll find out next week. I, I'm hush hush. I can't tell you anything about it. That's next week. But this week is about how do we sacrifice in a costly manner, that when we give or when we serve, when we sacrifice, it's going to cost us. It's not free, it's not easy, it's not convenient. It is something that requires something of us. And Jesus talks about this in the Gospel of Mark. In Mark 12, we see him sitting in the temple. We're gonna read this passage in this story in just a second, but I want you to picture it. He's sitting in the temple courtyard with the disciples and he's watching people. You like to people watch? Just sit there and stare at people and watch what they do. bucket, right? But they've got their their satchel of coins and things, and they're giving that, and boom! And think about that. Picture that. Think of the resounding sound that their gifts would hit and spray, or maybe they'd pour it out and just look around. Is everybody hearing this? Right? And all this stuff, that this commotion that's happening with their generosity. Jesus is watching this. They're large gifts. They're large sums of money that they're pouring into the box. But he says, This interesting commentary on this that their amount of sacrifice is huge, but the cost of their sacrifice is small. Why is that? Because they're giving out of their wealth, they're giving out of their excess. They've already run their budget and run the financial analysis with their accountant and said, Yeah, this is what we can give. That's it, right? This is the excess. Or they've gotten so stuck in the, in the holy routines that, well, this is my 10%. I'm giving my 10%. Nothing more, nothing less, but nothing more than my 10%. You see how we get kind of stuck in these ways. And that's what's happening right there in the courtyard that Jesus is watching. They're just giving their 10% or they're giving their access. They're giving out of their wealth. And what's the cost to them? Nothing. It doesn't hurt when they give it. They're not feeling it when they give. they no oh, on the give right? There's no cost to it in that way. Because when you compare them to the woman, then that's where you see the cost. The woman is this widow who is poor. I mean, right there, you see this trifecta. She's a woman, she's a widow, she's poor. And Paul is highlighting, or excuse me, not Paul. Mark is highlighting this to show she is forgotten. Socially, economically, everything. She is the bottom of the totem pole. When she gives her gift, it goes unnoticed. And so much so that amongst all the commotion of the coins that they're depositing, she walks up with two little copper coins worth a fraction of a penny. Two-fifths of a penny, some scholars say, right? That these things are worth. As she drops them in, clink, clink. That's what she gives. The amount of her gift is small and insignificant compared to other people, right? Fraction of a penny. It's like play money at that point. It's like Canadian currency. It's it's basically worthless in regards to everything else that's going on in there. But he says, it's not the amount of the sacrifice. It's the cost of the sacrifice. He says, she put in everything. She put in her life. She put herself into the bucket when she did that. And that's the heart that God has for us for being sacrificial people, generous people, that we give costly. We give all of ourselves and we put it all in the bucket in that way. I love how the message translation says this in uh, Mark 12, 44 in the message. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave all. All the others gave what they'll never miss. She gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. You see, that's the costly sacrifice, is when it costs us. It's not just what we can spare. It's not a little bit of excess. It's not a percentage or an allotment. It's not what's convenient. A costly sacrifice is something where it requires something of us. It's not easy to give that. You're doing that at the expense of something else. I can't put everything in the bucket and still be able to maintain X, Y, and Z. You see, but Jesus is pointing this out because I think Jesus, Jesus cares about the heart. The heart is what matters to Jesus, and he sees this woman's example. That if she can put everything in the bucket, right? If if she can trust God with all of this, or in this case, all of this, then she'll trust Him with all of this, her heart. You see, the other guys in the temple, they were. They weren't trusting God with everything. They were trusting God with a portion, with the excess, with what was easy and convenient. And so they weren't going to be able to fully trust God with all of their heart. And Jesus says, the greatest commandment is this, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. You see, the heart matters to God. And when we're confronted with stories like this woman giving all that she had, man, it challenges us. You feel a little stir in you, right, internally, just like unsettled a little bit, right? When Jesus confronts a rich man in another part of the Gospels, we see him confront a rich man, and he says, man, Jesus, how, how do I get into heaven? How do I get right with God? And he says, you know, do this, do this, do this, and, and the guy's like, yeah, I did that, I did that, and then he's like, okay, fine, sell everything and come follow me. No, I can't do that, and he goes off crying. Right? We read these stories, we hear these stories, and it challenges something within us because it makes us uncomfortable. We're called to be fully generous and, and, and sacrificial and giving our lives away for other people. We didn't come to serve, but to we didn't come to be served, but to serve. But at the same time, there's part of us in our own heart that's like, yeah, but I hope he doesn't ask for all of it. Because I want to hold back a little bit for myself. I need a little balance. You see, that stir inside is good. We should stop. We should rest in that for a moment, that discomfort. And I think we need to be unsettled for a little bit because when we're confronted with stories of costly sacrifice, when we're confronted with a command to be costly in our sacrifice, when we're confronted with the example of Jesus to be costly in our sacrifice, I think it should challenge us to examine what's going on inside. Why are we unsettled? What's being disrupted with that? And see, here's the thing, is costly sacrifice, it's like an x-ray for your heart. You know, you go to the doctor when you need an x-ray of a bone that's been broken. Maybe on the outside even, it's not swollen or bruised, you just go, right? I broke a bone one time, uh, I broke my rib, and nothing was bruised and nothing was swollen, but man, there was some pain there and discomfort. So I went in and, and it, you know, they looked at it and figured it out, and the x-ray can see what human eyes can't see right they can see through it and they were able to diagnose yeah sean you you cracked a rib that's why you're in so much pain and i think sometimes we're going through life and it's going really well and it's going you know hunky-dory and really smooth and we're just going through the motions and doing our thing and then we're confronted with costly sacrifice and it allows us for a moment to examine our heart we read the woman's story we see the example of christ we're given chances to give sacrificially and, and, and costly, extravagantly, as the message of gospel said. And it challenges us to evaluate what's going on in our hearts, because that's what matters to Jesus. And there's two heart conditions I want to talk about that I think can be exposed here today. One is the divided heart. Jesus challenged us that our hearts are going to be divided, and we need to work on that with him. He wants to unify our hearts so we're not divided. And in Matthew chapter 6, he talks about this. In 624, no one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Jesus is challenging them. You can't serve yourself and serve God. You can't serve your bank account and serve God. You can't serve your security system, you know, your security blanket and serve God all in. You can't be that. It's just not possible. You will be one of the two different groups. You will be the crowd giving at the temple with your big bag of money, but not all of your life in the bucket. Or you'll be like the woman who's all in. She's putting her two coins in there, but she's putting her whole life in there. Being willing to give everything. And he's addressing this division of heart. That division of heart, that tension that we feel. And we feel that in church, even with a topic like tithing. You know, the idea of giving God 10%. It's a biblical concept. I believe in the concept and the principle and the practice of giving 10%. We see it in the Old Testament where. If you had a farm or cattle or whatever, you would take 10% of that. You would give it to the temple, to the priest. They would use it. They would use it to bless the community and people in need, things like that. It was a step of obedience, a step of honoring God. It was an incredible practice. I still hold to it. I believe in that practice. Why? Not because I'm a pastor, right? But because there is something about giving that 10% regularly and consistently. It's confronting that divided heart within me. Man, God, I'd really like to use that money on my own and for all these other things, and maybe I can get a fancier truck and I can pay down this or I could buy that or I could save this or I could buy this for my kids. But I'm confronted with that divided heart when we give. And it's, it, it's very clear in our budget. It's the very first thing on our budget line. It's, we, we prioritize, we put it at the top. But even talking about tithing, you can begin to feel that divided heart within you. Well, I've given God my 10%. So I guess I have 90% for Sean. And you can start to feel that divided nature. Here's my quota. Here's my limit. Here's my amount. And then I get the rest for me, right? And the idea that, well, wait a minute. Maybe I need to give some more. Maybe I need to give and it's going to cost me because that 10% can start to feel a little routine. And I can get into that, especially with automatic withdrawals of giving to the church electronically now. It's sometimes really easy to go through the motions of giving your 10%. And you don't realize that you've kind of lost that excitement and that joy and that cheerfulness to giving. You're just giving, right? And then the idea like, oh, I could give more to that. No, this is my 90%. And there's the divided heart right there in order to be costly sacrificial, in order to be extravagantly generous. I've got to stop viewing it as 10%, 90%. His and mine, I've got to begin to view it all as his. Those that don't believe in tithing and the 10%, it's archaic and Old Testament, things like that. I warn you, if we're not careful, we will just give haphazardly. If there's no practice and no discipline in that, no intentionality in that, it is very easy to also end up like the people in that crowd in the temple. You're giving only out of your excess or when it's comfortable, when it's convenient. And it's easy to fall into those patterns. But to prioritize it, make it the first thing we do, make it the most important thing that we are gonna use what God has given us to bless him and his kingdom. But to be careful and to be aware of where our heart divides his, mine, mine, His, this divided heart really at its core reveals a a selfishness within me, a greed within me, a materialism within me, that that becomes my God. God, you can't have some of my 90%. That's mine. And then you start getting into the self-sufficiency. I am going to take care of myself. I am going to provide for myself. I am going to provide for my family. And all of that is is a part of that divided heart that Jesus is saying this can't coexist. Let's address this. Let's work on this, Sean. Let's work on this church. The other heart condition I would see is a disgruntled heart. Paul talks about in his letter to the Corinthians the importance of being a cheerful giver. And as we go through the motions, what's interesting is he's writing to a church that's collecting funds for a missions work. And this is exciting, right? This is about partnering with God's work and the ministry that's going on abroad. And he has to write this very clear instruction, like, be very careful that your heart is good and pure and excited about this, because the reality is it's really easy to get disgruntled in our sacrificing. He says this, 2 Corinthians 9, 7, each man should give what he has decided in his heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. I think it's really difficult to become a cheerful giver when we get focused on percentages and minimums and maximums. We get stuck in the holy routines. I kind of alluded to the electronic giving and the automatic withdrawal. It's really easy to lose the joy of what I'm doing. It just becomes transactional with God. I even think sometimes we can turn our giving into an investment like the stock market. Okay, God, I'm going to give this, but what am I getting? In return and if I don't get what I want I could become disgruntled I could become frustrated others I mean think about it Paul is writing to a church that is going to fund some missions work that's going on abroad people that they may not get to meet at sea and all this right but the disgruntled heart the non-cheerful heart that's going on within us could begin to look at that and say well I'm going to put money in that but what are they going to use it for Are they going to really use it for what I think is important, right? We begin questioning their motives and do they really deserve it? Is it really going to help them? Uh, And then I think we also, this disgruntled heart, we lose the joy of saying everything I give is going to be used for the kingdom of God. When I watch my kids give to the church, they're excited. It's a dollar, right? I know the church budget. (laughs) I know that it's a drop in the bucket, But they are cheerful givers. Why? Because for them, it's a huge sacrifice. It's a costly sacrifice, right? Based on the amount that I know I give them as an allowance and and as as payment for doing all their chores. But it's a costly sacrifice. And with that comes a joy and an excitement when they bring it to church or they get to give it to church or when they give to the Advent missions giving at Christmas time. They're excited about it. They think they're gonna change the world with that dollar. But the disgruntled heart says, What's my money going to do? What difference is my 20 bucks going to make? What difference is my 10% going to make? What difference is my contribution going to make? And it really, that disgruntled heart reveals a lack of faith. A lack of faith that God could change the world with whatever you put in the bucket. It reveals a, a, a apathy that can take place. Oh, I don't really care about what's going on over there. I don't really care what's going on over here. I know we're supposed to be doing this, right? Or we get stuck in these religious routines of this is how we do it. And this is what we're doing, right? And that's the sort of stuff that Jesus is seeing when he's watching these people in the temple. It's just kind of this going through the motions, and they've become disgruntled. There's no joy. There's no cheer. There's no excitement. There's no, I'm putting everything that I am inside the bucket. They're just going through it. They've lost the joy because they've allowed giving to become a have to and not a get to. It's a have to. I have to put in 10%. I have to put in 20%. I have to put in whatever. The woman, when she puts those two pennies in, two fractions of a penny, excuse me, those two coins, she gets to do that. That's a choice. I am getting to put everything that I am into the kingdom of God. I'm putting everything, I'm putting all my trust in that. I'm putting all of myself into that. I'm putting everything into that bucket. That's a get to. You see, that's where our heart can begin to change, where it becomes unified into the work of God. It becomes joyful into the work of God. And as we talk about this, my heart is that you see, it's so much more than, than money. This could be talked about with our calendar. The very things we're talking about with money Many of us do with our calendar and our time. We're very stingy and frugal with our time. Ah, I'm not going to serve there. There, blah, 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 blah. Oh, we become disgruntled in our serving. We become right divided in our serving and our use of our time. But I'll tell you what. I think God wants more than the things that we possess. He wants our heart. God wants more than the things that we possess. He wants our heart. And Jesus knows that our hearts are often possessed by the things that we own. And there's that connection right there, and he's trying to break through to that. And when we live a life of costly sacrifice, we're willing to put our life into the bucket, not just our 10%, not just our 12%, not just our whatever percent. We're not just giving a couple time slots here or there to volunteer. We're putting our life in it. I think it reveals that our heart is all in not divided, not disgruntled. We're saying, God, everything I am is yours. So how do we experience this change of heart? Well, it's a Jesus thing. It's not just, you know, get your heart disciplined and, and start working on these things, but it, it, is, it is pursuing Jesus in this. As Paul said in the Philippians passage, it's forgetting the past and moving forward right? We've got to continue to strain and push and, and, and persevere and press on and pursue him with all else. And as we talk about this life of sacrifice, I would encourage you, think through that. What does a life of sacrifice look for you, look like for you moving forward? Not yesteryear, not in the past, not what you did decades ago when you were at church. What are you going to do now? What does the season look like now moving forward? As we head into this fall and winter season of 2020? man what does it look like for you to pursue a life of sacrifice and this is where we can strain this is where we can pursue this is where we can persevere together and we can take intentional steps this is why we do what we call a 14-day pursuit now each year or each part of this year that we've done a pursuit series it's accompanied with a 14-day challenge and we want to encourage you to participate in this one just this these next two weeks. All right. And we've got a couple of resources. We've got a bookmark with them all listed out. And we've also got a wallpaper that you can download on your phone. Look at that snazzy, isn't it? Yeah. And so it's right there. And with each day is a specific challenge. Maybe it's fasting and giving up a meal. Maybe it's fasting from social media and, and TV media and entertainment and pursuing Jesus during that time. Maybe it's going and reading a passage or Uh, One of them is buying gas for a stranger or, you know, just cleaning out your closet and donating all those goods, uh, buying coffee for somebody, all of these different things, these acts of sacrifice, these acts of generosity, these acts of serving other people. And the point is here is to give us tangible examples, a taste of what costly sacrifice can look like. The point here is, is not that we're perfect, but that we are straining and working and pressing on and trying new things. Try these 14 things over the next 14 days. Try these things. Experiment with it. Let's go. Let's try it. Let's see what it's like. Because when we give and when we serve and when we fast, man, we get to experience some heart change within us because we are pouring out ourselves and we're allowing the heart of God to be poured in. It's an emptying out that's taking place. I'm emptying out what's going on in my heart that greed, that selfishness, that uh, apathy, that self sufficiency, all of those things fasting, giving, sacrifice it pours it out and it challenges me to pursue something else a heart of generosity, a heart of sacrifice, a heart of serving. And so, would you join us in that challenge? Because my prayer for these next two weeks is that we become a church is willing to give God our whole heart and our whole life. Amen? Amen. Let's pray. Jesus, Jesus, I pray that our heart would beat with your heart. You are a a man who exemplified what, what sacrifice looked like. And I pray that we would be a church that does the same. That everything that we own is yours. Everything that we are is yours. Our time, our money, our resources. God, I I pray that you would address our hearts where we've become divided and disgruntled. Jesus, even right now, I just wanna pray for anybody that right now just wants to make a decision to follow you for the first time or the first time in a long time. God, it is really hard to follow your example when we have not committed to you being the king of our life. Jesus, I pray that you would forgive us of our sins wash us clean, make us new, give us a fresh start from here on out. And God, starting today, the days forward, moving forward, are days where we follow you, where we pursue you, where we live like you live. We love you, Jesus, and thank you for loving us. In your name we pray. Amen. For more information, check out thehubcitychurch.com. Thanks for listening.